doing some like teaching them how to measure you know when you scoop uh salt out you want to make sure it's even unless you want a heaping teaspoon this is what a heaping teaspoon looks like otherwise take the back of a knife or your finger i don't really care and just evenly like brush it off so you have a nice teaspoon teaching them the differences between teaspoons and tablespoons and the different sizes and my goal in life is to kind of put myself out of a job like i want them to be able to know how to make absolutely how to meal plan how to shop how to cook a meal before they leave the house. You're listening to Rebel Heart Radio, hosted by a nutritional therapist, Cassie Knavel, and professional esthetician and makeup artist, Genevieve Blair. A lifestyle podcast about clean living, making money, and badass people that inspire us endlessly. We created this podcast to walk through the tough moments of life with you, inspire you to live more intentionally, and frankly, because we like to talk. Thanks for joining us today. Make sure to catch our weekly episode and subscribe to us anywhere you listen to podcasts. If you have iTunes, we would be forever grateful for your review on our podcast. Let's get to our latest episode. The materials and content within this podcast are for general information and educational purposes only and are not to be considered a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Rebel Heart Radio. Today, I am so absolutely floored. I got to go solo. This is Cassie, by the way, uh, to interview my friend Jenna Huff. She is a certified functional nutritional therapy practitioner, and she has a passion for helping families on their journey toward better health, but as a unit. Um, Jenna was diagnosed with cancer at a very young age, and she is particularly interested in really helping families create an environment that will help children to live healthy and extremely vibrant lives. And Jenna is someone who really believes that all of great health starts in the kitchen and she specializes in working with families to get kids involved in nourishing their bodies with all the yummy food that is good for them. Um, And Jenna is one of my close friends. So this was such a pleasure for her to be on the podcast and for me to get to interview her. Sometimes I feel like having a podcast here is like an excuse for me to get to talk to my friends and record the conversations on a weekly basis. And of course, that's true when it's Genevieve and I every single week, but especially when we get to bring someone else on the podcast that we just adore. And Jenna is one of those people. So in this episode, we talk about how to get your kids in the kitchen, how to deal with picky eaters, um, and kind of getting them started young and how, like, what are some practical tips to getting them started? And Jenna did an incredible job really helping us narrow down actionable steps that we can take to get our kids in the kitchen and get them excited about cooking and frankly, get ourselves excited about cooking again. (laughs) So I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of Rebel Heart Radio. We have one of our loyal listeners actually sitting across from me and recording today. So welcome Jen Huff to the show. And today we're going to be talking about getting your dang kids in the kitchen because it is not easy. Um, We're going to talk about dealing with picky eaters and kind of how to navigate this whole um, healthy eating lifestyle into parenting. And personally, I think a lot of the struggle that people have, and we'll talk about this more, is, you know, the, the healthy living changes that people make as adults, sometimes they make them after their kids have been eating maybe crap, no judgment, 
for a long time and so have you and or just things that feel inflammatory for you and your family and so sometimes you're making the change before you have kids which I'm so glad happened to me because I don't I don't envy that it's really hard um so I just want to recognize that and then just say like I definitely want to talk some more with you about what it means to make that change and then bring the kids along with you and how to maybe do that gently too. So, but we're going to talk about a lot of fun things today. I'm so excited. Welcome. Hello. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jenna is one of my really good friends, you guys. Um, she lives locally and she listens to the podcast. So this is like full circle. I'm really excited to have so you fun. here. Um, and she's also a nutritional therapy practitioner and graduated the program recently. Mm-hmm. So in, in our local area. Um, so my first question for you is, did you grow up cooking? Like, did you grow up in the kitchen with your family? What was that experience like for you? Cause I know you're so passionate about doing it with your family and then just a little bit of your backstory. Like what brought you to this side of, um, you know, real food and kind of homesteading and non-toxic living and all of those things. Yeah. Um, so I did grow up in the kitchen with my mom. We baked all the time. I, I mean, I distinctly remember, you know, stirring, stirring and baking cookies. And, um, I don't really remember being a part of the everyday food though, but, but it was always a fun experience and a very positive experience Mm -hmm. in the kitchen. Um, and then when I was in high school, um, middle school, high school, my grandma moved in with us and she is like, she's old Italian. I mean, her, her, her dad came over from Italy and started an Italian restaurant and she ended up taking over the restaurant. My dad grew up in the restaurant. So we come from a big family of cooks and chefs and just loving to be in the kitchen. So I think that where my passion for for food and feeding people and that kind of like my love language is feeding people, I jokingly say, but I think it is, um, came from my grandma. And so um, she, she taught me little bits here and there, but as a high school, I, I didn't I kind of more wanted to hang out with friends. It wasn't super important. So it was actually as she was, she was dying. She was in the hospital and um, she wouldn't eat the hospital food. And we were all very worried about her. And at the time, we didn't actually know that she was like that close to dying. So I said, well, what can I do? Can I, can I make you some food, grandma? And she's like, yeah, you can, you can make me a sauce, which is like her staple food. Um, And so she gave me the recipe. And that was the first time that I ever like went home did a recipe. I made the sauce. She didn't eat it because <laughs> she just didn't feel well. I think she, she took a bite or two and she said, it's really sure. good. There are too many onions in it. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> but, um, but that passion for cooking and being in the kitchen definitely came from her. Um, as far as like how, so that kind of continued. I guess through throughout college, I, w- I would cook a little more, and then um, after college, living on my own, I just very slowly started cooking tons of food from scratch and loving it, like absolutely loving the the art that is cooking and creating food and mm. creating deliciousness in the kitchen. And I know that you totally, totally. I just am like, yeah, yes. okay, speaking my love language over here. <laughs> yep. And so that was that was growing. Um, and then I got married, and do you want this much detail? <laughs> Bring it, girl. Okay. We're here for it. So they, they wouldn't be here if they didn't want to. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so then I got married and just kind of conditioned. I mean, I was like making my own pasta from scratch and it was um, probably a little bit better than like your standard American diet, but um, still always, I always knew to like get tons of vegetables and, and more and more nutrition into my meals, but still a lot of 
Like I was buying taco seasoning seasoning packets, not knowing what was in my food really. Um, not that there's anything terrible about that, but like I just, I, I was making a lot of things from scratch, but it wasn't necessarily the healthiest. Still a lot of processed foods, a lot of processed sugars, processed flours. Mm-hmm. So um, after we had our, our son, um, my husband actually got really sick. And he saw doctors all over the place and nobody could figure out what was wrong with him. And um, we finally ended up seeing a doctor that really touted the Mediterranean diet and eating whole foods and um, lifestyle, like looking at your lifestyle for how to how to heal your body. And so that was the first time that a doctor didn't say, take ibuprofen if it works for you and go home. Um, and so that was incredibly impactful because we saw the benefits of taking out the processed foods, adding in whole foods. We saw the benefits of getting sun, taking walks. Like we saw the the lifestyle benefits that he was recommending actually make a difference in some of his autoimmune s- symptoms. And we still have no idea like what exactly is going on with him. Mm. Um, but food has made a tremendous difference. So the more I started researching and the more I started learning, um, the more I, I was like, oh, this makes so much sense. And so we very slowly started changing our diet. Now, during this time, um, going back a little bit further, I was actually diagnosed with thyroid cancer at a pretty young age. I was 20, diagnosed with thyroid cancer. Wow. Um, and I think a lot of that, I'm going to circle back to the the thing with my husband and the food change. But um, I grew up, I mean, we had pretty solid dinners. There's always like a meat and a vegetable and a grain in our dinners. Um, but other than that, I mean, I, I grew up in the 80s and the 90s. So it was like Otter Pops and Corn Nuts and Snickers. And you're <laughs> laughing because you know. I know. Canned vegetables. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. yes. Absolutely. Corn's a vegetable, right? <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> it's an no. everything. We are corn people. Um, so, yeah, you know, it's... Um, I grew up, my parents, they did the best they could with what they knew, but I ate a ton of junk. And and then I decided meat was gross in high school, and so I became a vegetarian. But I wasn't like a healthy vegetarian. I was a, I'm going to order Big Mac with no meat and fries on the side vegetarian. And so needless to say, my nutrition was just terrible. Um, then I was diagnosed, and I was going to school full term working two jobs, it was just a recipe for disaster. And then I was diagnosed with cancer. So thyroid cancer is a very slow growing cancer. And they took out my thyroid and they took out some lymph nodes. And then I'd have a checkup in six months and they'd find more cancer in my lymph nodes. And so they'd take those out. And that just kept happening for like 10 years. And so, um, so then when I married my husband and he got sick, this is the circling back part. Um, we changed our diet. So before the at that at that before that every single time I had a checkup they found thyroid cancer when we changed our diet my thyroid cancer stopped growing actually like it got to the point where I had thyroid cancer in my lungs and um I just went back this last um October and it's gone like well it's not I'm sorry it's not gone it's a very 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 small it has not grown in fact it's actually shrunk so um that and I didn't even actually realize that until I went through the nutritional therapy program. I was writing an essay or something, and it had me think back to like I had to think back to when my diet changed, mm. and it all just made sense. I was like, "Oh, my thyroid cancer stopped growing when I changed my diet," and it's it's amazing. So after so through my husband, through my own experience, I have seen the power of food and the healing power of food and nutrition, and so. 
knowing what I know, it's super important to me to be in the kitchen cooking from scratch, but cooking with nutrient-dense foods and then teaching my children the importance of it too. Because as you know, I mean, my husband's got an autoimmune disease. I actually had Hashimoto's. They found it in my thyroid when they dissected it and thyroid cancer. My children don't have the greatest genetic makeup. (laughs) They just, my husband and I, not picking from the best genes there (laughs) as far as that goes. And so I'm going to be very, very careful with them too. So I don't know if that answered your question. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, I, it's so clear the people that I have in my life who are so passionate, there's always such a beautiful backstory. Mm -hmm. And I don't think I had even heard all of those pieces of your journey with thyroid cancer. I didn't realize that you had gone through that for so long. Um, And there's such power in the anecdotal evidence of what you see in your body, what you see in your family, when you change over to a more like real food lifestyle. It's Mm -hmm. incredible. So Let's talk about the babes, the kiddos. Yes. So you're a mama. Yep. Tell us about your kids. How um, old? How many? All the things. And then let's get into how you get them in the kitchen. Yes. Well, I have a 10-year-old boy, Elijah, and he is wonderful and very much a firstborn. He's a little, a little perfectionist, but he is just, he is the sweetest and he is an absolute joy. Um, and then I have an eight-year-old and... She is sweet and calm, and she is the reason that the third exists because <laughs> <laughs> Elijah came out with a lot of fire. Aliana was a lot more, a lot more calm and quiet, and then um, our youngest Evie is just like spitfire fun, tons of energy. But you know, they are just—they're sweet, they're active, they're energetic. They're—they are just some of my favorite people to be around, and I'm Aww. sure that we all feel like that about our kids. But I will say seven o'clock hits and I'm like, OK, bedtime. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> I So, I mean, it's the, it's an advertised fact on this podcast that I'm not a kid person. I'm just a my kid person. And uh, your kids are actually kids I can be like around. And that's kind of rare for me. I don't hang out with a lot of other mamas because and I've said this before in the podcast, like I just I don't connect with all other moms just because we're all moms. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I connect with people who are extremely driven, who want big things for their life, all of those things. And so I've just stopped apologizing for that and embrace it. But you're someone who I can have both with, which I love. Um, but your kids are wonderful. Um, and they I, love, they love yours too. Yeah. So much. Yeah. Little man, little man. He loves them too, especially Aliana, mm-hmm. your middle child who's so sweet. So even coming from a place where I had all of this real food knowledge before I had my first kiddo, only kiddo that we have right now, this is not a message that I'm pregnant. <laughs> um, you know, before we get, we got pregnant, you know, we had this basis of knowledge through, through pregnancy and postpartum and, and now, you know, he's going to be four in December and I wish he was more interested in being in the kitchen with me. And I think the thing I'm figuring out is that I really don't facilitate it. I really don't. Cause I don't like huge messes. I, I am not super creative when it comes to like looking at things through their eyes. Like I actually, it's really interesting. My husband and I always talk about how, you know, he really is able to see things through, through our son's eyes. And then I can kind of bring him to see things through my eyes. And, and we, I bring him into my world and, and Josh kind of goes into his world 
with, with him. And so it's been a really interesting thing to kind of like look inward and be like, okay, I, I have to actually put the effort in to get this kid in the kitchen. He's just not going to have the natural inclination. Um, or if he does, it might come later and I may as well get him kind of going now. And I've noticed as he gets less interested in the kitchen, he's getting more picky with his food. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know it's so deeply connected to like that curiosity and understanding around food. He loves the gardening aspect. He loves being outside. Josh did that with him all summer this last year and the previous year. He loved going and picking up our CSA share when we used to do that and like looking at what kinds of funky little vegetables were, were there. And he likes going to the grocery store with me and he loves vegetables. He eats pretty darn well given the fact, but I'm noticing like variety is dwindling Mm -hmm. and it's like, Oh, I will eat broccoli. And I'm like, what happened to Brussels sprouts and peppers and all these other things. And then you kind of get stuck in this, um, convenience place too, where, you know, you give them the vegetable that you know, they'll eat cause you just need them to freaking eat. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. Yes. So, um, you know, in my case, like any advice you have for getting him into the kitchen and excited, I would love to hear that. And then also from the perspective of, you know, that person who's transitioning their lifestyle and just starting with real food. And, um, I think getting the kids in the kitchen is a great way to, to ease that transition. So tell me how to do all the things, please. (laughs) I don't know if I can tell you all the things, but I'll tell you what I know and what's worked for me and what I've even seen work for other families as well. So you are right. You have to facilitate the environment. And I, and that is one of the hardest things to do because, oh my goodness, it's just easier to do it ourselves, right? Mm -hmm. Like if we're being real, like it it takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of time to teach your kids to do anything in the kitchen. When you're just trying to get a meal on the table, taking an extra, even five, 10 minutes to teach them how to use a better knife, even just to cut off butter at a young age, you know, teaching them how to measure things and then having to clean up the extra mess that they will make. (laughs) It's (laughs) it's just, it's going to take more time. So you kind of have to go into it with with that in the back of your mind like this is a this is a teaching experience and maybe don't don't start off with the I'm gonna do this every night and every but start off with you know what Monday nights we're gonna do dinner um Saturdays we're gonna do breakfast together and Mm. we're gonna work together and then as far as getting so your little guy is a little younger Mm -hmm. um but I still think you know you said he's almost four Mm -hmm. I still think even at that age like all right bud what do you, what do you want this week to eat? Like getting them involved in not only the, I mean, absolutely the number one way to get kids eating food, eating food that you want them to eat Mm -hmm. is by getting them involved. And so that's going to the grocery store. That's going to farmer's markets, being in the garden, letting them touch and feel and taste and smell the food as you're preparing it. I mean, I have, my kids are what, 10, eight and six. And so even so, like I'm chopping up purple cabbage, they will run over like, oh, can I have some cabbage? And as I'm just chopping vegetables in the kitchen, absolutely. You can have whatever you want. I mean, unless it's raw chicken and that's gross, (laughs) but you can have whatever you want that I'm chopping. But, um, but just, so getting them involved is super important, but then just remembering it's gonna, it's gonna be tough. Like there's, it's not, it's not always going to be fun. Um, you're going to have to, it's going to take more time and then it's going to be messy. And so, but what's cool is you can also then teach them to clean up the mess unless you're just done at that point and you just clean it up yourself. But I mean, so I think that's first of all, just kind of going in with the, 
making sure that you you have the right mindset yourself Mm -hmm. being intentional about it and setting aside time to actually say this is we're gonna do this it might not go well but we're gonna try I think my hardest part too is that I I tend to lose his attention about halfway through Mm -hmm. and it's like okay I'm done now I'm gonna go play with my Legos and I'm like (laughs) and that's okay because he was in there for a short period of time because he's young and he doesn't have the full attention span Mm -hmm. of you know, maybe, maybe that a 10 year old might have in the kitchen. And so even if it's just, if it's a little, like he runs up and he wants to try something that you're chopping, count that as time in the kitchen. I mean, that's, that's huge. Mm -hmm. And so, Hey, you know what? Do you want to, I just chopped these herbs. Do you want to sprinkle them on top and make them look really pretty? Maybe you can, I don't just think it thinking through different ways of getting them involved, but it doesn't have to be big. Sometimes I do taste tests with the kids. And so if I'm chopping a few different herbs, I'll, okay, Close your eyes, guys. Smell this herb. Take a smell. Take a little taste. Tell me what you think. What do you think it is? And then I'll do it with like three or four different ones. And they think it's fun. So just making that sounds things, like a blast. <laughs> oh, it's so fun. And like their their palates are amazing. And their their ability to or sometimes I'll give them a bite of food. Okay, tell me what herbs are in this food. What spices mm-hmm. do you taste? What? Um, anyway, they're they're really good at being able to identify food. So and I think that even that just sets the foundation and the basis for being able to cook. I mean, how many kids can't even identify what a tomato is or what kale is or broccoli even? It's crazy. And even, I mean, I think even some adults probably can't figure out what herbs, I mean, for sure, can't figure out what herbs and what different tastes are. But but part of it too is when you're doing that, you're slowing down, you're thinking about your food Mm -hmm. and it's it's like almost teaching them some mindful eating as well. I think like you are aware of what's, of what you're putting into your mouth. Do you want to know what cilantro does for your body? And then, and then from there, I can tell them like, this nourishes your body in this way, which again, you know, depending on the age of your kids, it's going to sound a little bit different and look a little bit different, but I think it's it's an easy way to, for me, I mean, as a nutritional therapy practitioner, I do know how these foods can nourish your body. So I realize that's not going to be something that everybody will do. But, you know, we eat oranges in November, December, January, because they are actually chock full of vitamin C. And so vitamin C is very important to your immune system. This is the time of the year when everyone is getting sick. So let's eat some oranges. Let's Mm -hmm. think about how we're going to get those kinds of foods into our bodies. So a lot of it, especially as they get older, is just kind of, it's being intentional, knowing it's going to take more time, and you're going to have to teach them, and then also just teaching as you go, having it just kind of naturally, for me, it naturally flows. Mm-hmm. I He'll pop in and out of the kitchen, like you said, and, and ask some pointed questions or ask to eat something. He's most certainly not asking to eat cabbage. <laughs> My kids are weird. (laughs) Oh, no, your kid. I mean, you've done this since they were born. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's really for those of you who've never seen Jenna Cook in her Instagram stories. Make sure you go do that. Um, And we'll link in the show notes so you can go find her and share more about that later. But uh, I like just watching the way you are with them in the kitchen. It's so much fun and it's so inspiring. And I love, you know, I... The kitchen is kind of a sacred space for me, so I don't always like sharing it. And I think that it's not just the convenience of like, I'm not going to make as big of a mess, although sometimes, mm-hmm. let's be real, it's a huge mess. Um, or, you know, it, it's not just the convenience factor or avoiding that sort of thing. For me, it's like, this is my happy place. 
and my non-parenting place. Yes. And so for me, I think, man, a really doable for a way for me to do this is like Saturday morning breakfast. I love that idea because mm-hmm. we almost always have a really slow breakfast on Saturday mornings and here soon, like you guys know how much I love when like something changes in life. We, we fold a habit change into that. I love doing that. And every winter, my husband goes deep dive into ski season and he's a coach. And so he's gone every single Saturday for almost two and a half months doing races with his ski team and leaving at, I don't know, 430 in the morning every single Saturday. And that's quite an adjustment for me because I'm used to having my partner all weekend. He's Mm -hmm. kind of the main parent between the two of us. Uh, it's just his natural inclination. And, you know, I just, we parent in different ways and he's, uh, very present with our kid. Um, and so for me, I'm like thinking, okay, that habit change is coming and I'm going to just fold right into being like, it's just the two of us. We're doing breakfast together. So I think that'll be really fun. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's important to start small. Because, I mean, I, I have a tendency to be like, okay, I'm going to do do something like five days a week, every weeknight, one, one kid is going to do this, the kids are going to plan meals, and then we're going to shop. And I, I like to think that I'm way more intentional than I am, or to like plan out intention that never happens. Mm-hmm. I'm real good at that. So coming up with something very doable, getting your kid, and, and I think that's the same even with food changes mm-hmm. with your kids. You know, don't don't change your diet completely. At least I... I can't see it going well if you take a 10-year-old that's been on the standard American diet and you say, okay, we're changing our diet, and then you take away all of their favorite foods in a day, don't do that. And don't expect that that's going to work the same way in the kitchen with teaching your kids to cook. Yeah, I imagine that has to be quite a gradual process of trying to find, you know, a a recipe that's a good substitute for something Mm -hmm. that they really love and really just kind of padding that transition and being super gentle. And I, and I would love to talk more too about just this concept of teaching kids, like what food is bad versus good. I cannot handle that. And I think so many times it's a struggle as a parent to communicate what you want them to know about foods that nourish their bodies, that are healthful for them, things to watch out for. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm finding there's been a few occasions just in like the personal care product category, uh, you know, because we talk about that stuff all the time. And uh, my son will will say like, oh, mommy, is this hand soap good for us or is it bad for us? And I was like, oh, (laughs) oh, we missed the mark on that one. So we're working on it. Says the only three year old ever. I mean, he told his teacher the other day that he couldn't use the hand soap in the classroom. And I never said that to him. I never said that to him. Yeah. And I was like, yep, okay, so we're going to have to fix that. Uh, but yeah, so, you know, how do we communicate this kind of message of health and of interest in, in the foods that they're eating and without kind of giving them this mentality where food is good or bad? Yeah, that's that's a tough one, I think, because... I very much err on the side of let's just talk about the the foods that are nourishing. Mm -hmm. Um, I try not to finger point good and bad, but at the same time, like, I mean, so my, my youngest is first grade and I love her teacher. I love all of the teachers at the kids' schools. They are amazing, but they're getting a lot of candy at school for good behavior um, and so that's been a struggle for me because you've been around I'm my like kids taking a sip of my matcha right now and I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't give the reaction I wanted, but dang, that would make me 
fiery. Yeah. So I, I've, I feel like I've, I've kind of gone, I've thought about it a few different ways. I've talked to a few different people like, okay, how do I, how do I handle this? Because you've been around my children, you know, mm-hmm. like they are well behaved. They are Very. sweet kids. Yeah, and so, so gonna get she's getting a lot, lot of candy. candy. <laughs> So and she's very excited about it. And she's coming home like, oh, I had another Swedish fish today. I had another one. And I'm like, all right, hold on. Um, hold so one Swedish fish has one gram of sugar in it. The total, the total, is it the allowance? What am I trying to say? Like the total amount of sugar that they, that the government even recommends. Not that I follow government guidelines for food, but. <laughs> or it's anything. Like, I know. <laughs> it's like five grams of sugar. So. What if she's getting five? I mean, she's getting a whole five grams of sugar if she gets five sweet. Anyway, it's just, it's wrong. It's not the end of the world. It's not, but it's not my favorite. No. So anyway, I'm just trying to figure out, like, how do I handle this? Because I also want my children to be able to, I want them to make, I mean, even though I would actually, I would actually love to control everything that they ever put in their mouth ever. And like, I want them to Amen, eat all the healthy sister. food. <laughs> I, I would like to control Josh's intake of oh. all things too. We were just talking about that last night. Yes. Actually, he's like, you can't control everything I eat when I'm not here. And I was like, oh, crap. True. <laughs> I know. Sorry. Hank came home the other day and he's like, yeah, there were donuts at work. I was like, why would you do that? You well, know, like for so many reasons, he's like, I don't know. They sounded they- good. <laughs> and he's actually usually pretty good about that. But I was like, oh, okay, how you feeling right now? Anyway, so yeah, you know, so what I ended up doing, because I want to actually have her take some some control over her own health as well, and I realize she's only six, and we are very careful at home with what we eat, I actually had her, um, she gets the choice, so she can take the Swedish fish, or we started a little sticker sticker chart for every Swedish fish that she brings me home, I will give her, she can put a sticker on the chart, and once she gets 15... We'll go get, we'll go to the dollar store and we'll go get a fun little treat or we'll go for, do something special, just her and I. We'll go for a walk. We'll go for a bike ride. And she was super excited about that idea. And this was, I think, last week and she's already got five on there. And I don't think she's had any of the candy at school. So, um, that's such a good way to deal with it internally versus having to go to the school and feel like you're being judgmental or affecting other people's kids who maybe could care less that their kids getting candy at school right and I think it is super motivating because sugar is addictive and kids want to behave well for sugar but that's not I mean in my opinion I have a very hard time with that as a nutritionist mm-hmm. um, and as a mom I don't I don't love that either but it, but well and it just doesn't make sense I mean let's be honest like uh, a sugar as a uh, reward for good behavior can facilitate bad behavior later on in the day. It right. just doesn't make any sense to me. And but I mean they have a they have a ton of kids and I I teachers are they're just trying the, to make it they work. They are and they yeah. are amazing and it's kind of nonstop with thirty first graders. I mean that's yeah that's crazy. And yeah. so well and you substitute teach too in elementary so you know what yep. that's like. Yep. Yeah. And that's also why I would never give them extra sugar. Because I know what it's like. Yeah, I think I think so much of this conversation is really difficult. And, you know, we've you and I have talked in detail personally about, uh, you know, the medical system. It's not the doctors, the school system. It's not the teachers, the food system. It's not the people who are making the food or it's, you know, it's it's across the board. It's a it's an industry wide issue. It's a, an epidemic in our culture. And it's something that 
you know, we, it's really easy for us to get stuck in our health and wellness bubble Mm -hmm. and the people we follow on Instagram or wherever and, and see only, you know, what we know as kind of our baseline and our, our own expectations for our kids and ourselves as to what we put in our mouths and how we live our lives. Mm -hmm. And then we go out in the rest of the world and realize we're the 1%. And it's hard. It's hard. And this is the first year my son has been in school. And so, and it's still just preschool, but I tell you, you'll love this. They're having a feast day for the day uh, that they have preschool that's uh, prior to Thanksgiving. And uh, they're like, we're doing chicken nuggets and fries. And I was like, what? Like, First of all, that's not Thanksgiving food. Right. And it's not a, like a passing. I try not to pass judgment again, kind of in that same playing field. You know, they're just trying to provide something fun for the kids that they'll all like. They'll have a fun day together. Da, da, da. Right. And the way that we dealt with that as a family was just saying, hey, our son's not going to be at school today mm-hmm. or on that day. And we are just going to go have a blast and go do something as a family. My husband is home from school. He's a teacher. He has the whole week off. Thank goodness. Um, our husbands work together, so mm-hmm. <laughs> there's that um, same schedule. So, anyways, it, but that it's little stuff like that that pops up that you just don't think is gonna be a problem. And you know, initially when we had to deal with preschool snack at first, you know, that that was also another conversation. And thankfully, there were enough kids in the class that had allergies that it was a very easy conversation to have. And you know, sometimes you just have to pose and say, "My kid has." food sensitivities or allergies and and maybe they don't maybe it's just a choice you're making for your family um but you know little man knows what he doesn't eat and he will say it which is really interesting mm-hmm. uh one of the kids offered him his snack the other day and or to share it and the teacher was just off doing something else and he was like no thank you i can't have that it makes me feel yucky and That's the teacher awesome. the teacher overheard it and told me about it later. And I was just like, oh my God, I did something good. (laughs) (laughs) He understands. So yeah. So anyways, I think, you know, as kids get into school, so many of these kind of interesting situations pop up where you're like, okay, how do I deal with this now? Um, So I can tell you, I mean, navigate it. Do you want to know how we have dealt with that? Please. Yeah. Because I know, I mean, and for everyone who's listening, I know this, but she hasn't shared this yet. All all three of your kids have something Mm -hmm. that they need to avoid. Yeah. Right. As far as food is concerned for the most part. Yeah. Yeah. All three of them avoid gluten. One is no dairy, no gluten. So that one's, that one's tough, but it does on, on the bright side for me, it, we don't have to have those kind of like judgmental uh, interactions because or where somebody might feel judged by my like oh can we not eat that it's like oh no sorry it has gluten in it no we can't nope that has dairy in it no we can't so that makes that a little bit easier yeah. but what I do is I'll just bring an equivalent food Absolutely. for them so um I don't really have an equivalent for chicken nuggets exactly and that was my <laughs> thought process too and I just know you know we, I was like well my husband's gonna be home that week we'll spend some time together it'll be great yeah. I'm just gonna easy button this this one time yeah so but I would just so we have kids up bringing cupcakes for birthdays so mm. my kids each have Costco had these like I don't even know what they are coconut cluster treat things that's like a fun treat for my kids. They really enjoy it. Um, it's something that is shelf stable. And so 
it's it can sit in there for a couple of months and so anytime anybody brings in cupcakes they can have one of those and so and my kids are fine with that they really I mean I'm sure they would love to have the cupcake too I, I don't have shelf stable cupcakes that I want or they can. would be horrible they would tasting. be terrible yes <laughs> so this works well I mean even just getting some good squares of like dark chocolate I will do that sometimes. Um, give my kid this and they'll be, they're happy with that because they're my kids and they're, we've been doing this for a very long time. So they, they do, I mean, they're okay with less sweet options. Mm, yeah. It's a little simpler now with, with little man being in preschool, but I, I see, I see more coming at me. Oh, and yeah. I love I love that idea of just having something shelf stable that's available. Um, and we do that for snack, but it's a little different when there starts to be like birthday celebrations in the classroom and things like that. So yep. um, and we're going to have to facilitate that soon. And I mean, my strategy almost always, you know, just in a familial situation when we have like Thanksgiving coming up. Uh, I generally will be like, okay, I'm going to be the one who provides the dessert because then I know I can make a dessert that works and I will just make sure it tastes good and everybody likes it and they might know it's gluten-free and dairy-free, but they might not. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> actually, for my my middle, um, Allie's birthday, um, she wants pumpkin pie for her birthday every year, which I love. I love pumpkin pie. And so we make a gluten-free crust and I make a dairy-free filling so that it's so easy. Yeah. Pumpkin oh. pie is so easy to make gluten and dairy-free it is. and it's and so it's good. Delicious. I think the coconut milk just adds this like, Oh, it's like layer fatty of richness. And yummy. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. And, oh, yeah. and almost, I, I, I want to say she had like 12 girls. I want to say they all ate it. I think there was one that was really cute about it and was like, <laughs> she took a bite and then she's like, can I please have some more ice cream instead of just the pie? And I said, or no, whipped cream is what it was. Can I please have some more whipped cream? I said, oh, did you not like the pie? She's like, my mommy said to be nice. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> but she actually didn't like pumpkin pie to begin with, but I just thought that was so my funny. Mommy my mommy said to be polite. be polite. My mommy said to be polite. I was like, oh, you are, sweetie. It's you okay are, if yeah. you don't like it. <laughs> it's, okay. it's okay to not like things. It is. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah, that's a good one to talk to your kids about too so what are some things that you really like to cook with your kids that kind of keep them involved and interested um whether it be like food groups certain categories how you know what kind of jobs do you give them in the kitchen and I would love to talk about also like what are some good activities to do with them at different ages Mm -hmm. yeah I think it definitely varies from age to age you know when they're little little giving them a spoon and a bowl and I mean, maybe like some flour in it or oats in it or something. I don't know. Maybe something in it that they can kind of just stir around and, and then do a little bit of measuring and just kind of playing with it. Just letting them kind of play. Mm-hmm. I think when they're really little, um, as they start to get a little bit older, they can start like you can scoop out the cinnamon and they can dump it in and they can kind of watch it fall in. And they think that's really fun. Mm-hmm. Um, so or pouring in the liquid, doing things that are a little bit easier. And then as they get as they get older um so I baking I think is really easy with kids because it's because of the stirring and the measuring and the pouring cooking is more challenging because there's a lot more chopping there's fire um there are things that kind of have to happen you and I love food and we love food to taste good and be cooked properly and so (laughs) there's a lot of technique in Uh cooking and it's that has probably been the hardest thing for me getting kids involved is knowing that as they're learning, the food is going to be subpar. Sure. Like, that's you have to make hard. concessions on mm-hmm. your technique to kind of facilitate that. 
and and that's okay mm. it's just that's that's been something that I've had to get over like yeah. this is gonna be a little overcooked here this I is think gonna... that's pretty hard for me <laughs> yes um and I don't I don't love it honestly we haven't gotten there yet but I'm like hmm how am I, I going to be dealing with that in yeah. the future so some of the things that I started like let's say when my kids were around five um the they I taught them how to crack eggs which is quite a skill for a little one yeah, um I feel so, like it's a quite a skill yeah, for an adult it's true <laughs> Um, so cracking eggs, that's something that they all still love to do. Just cracking them into a bowl. Um, and then, so breakfast I think has probably actually been one of the easiest to transition dinner. Dinner again is harder because breakfast for us tends to be more, I don't know, maybe it's a little bit more like baking. We do a lot of like nutrient dense pancakes or eggs and greens, um, eggs and gluten-free toast. So one, I mean, my kids can actually like full on make breakfast for the family now which is so amazing that's amazing I've been they they do yeah probably probably once a week we'll see how much they do it this next week as they have um break coming up but um and they love it and they kind of fight over like well so now so now they've kind of moved on from cracking eggs to actually like cracking an egg in a pan and then frying the egg and so this is another one of the areas that I had to kind of let go of a little bit of control is like They'd crack an egg and then flip it so they can like, they can all, oh, my youngest hasn't learned to flip yet, but they can, they can saute things on the stove. They can flip pancakes. They can flip eggs. That, that's, that took a lot longer than I thought I was going to take to cook. And that's one of those areas that I had to let go of control because it's just like, it's not perfect. Um, But they're getting better at it. And I'm sure that when I was 21 and the first time I ever did that, because I think I was that old first time I ever flipped an egg. <laughs> Isn't that sad? <laughs> I'm sure it took a lot of time Again, for me to learn child, how to... child of the 80s. I know. This I is know. how it goes. It was like you just take something out of a package and put it in the microwave. Well, right? eggs are bad for you. you oh, that's eat, true. You can't eat whole yes, eggs. Yes. Yeah, there's too much cholesterol in a whole right. egg. You just pour the egg whites into Ugh. a pan. We had lots that. of those. I mean, I eat egg whites sometimes to beef up my protein intake, but I'm not avoiding that yolk. It's delicious. But the egg beaters. Remember the egg yes, beaters? Yes, the beaters. Yeah. yeah, which were really just um, dyed egg whites, Ugh. by the way. Yeah. They were terrible. just dyed yellow. <laughs> um, yeah, it's. I, I think the thing that I struggle with the most is kind of how do I, and, and he's, you know, little man's going to be four, so we, we've got some time to, to get this moving, but how do I facilitate safety while also like allowing like play and fun. And and I know you talk about kind of letting go of control and mm-hmm. just being like, okay, you're going to flip the egg and there's like a burner on, there's like a whole thing happening here. Um, what are some things that you do to, to curb maybe accidents in the kitchen and how do you keep the environment safe for them or at least safe for like the littlest one? Yeah. So one at a time, I only let my kids in the kitchen one at, <clears throat> one at a time um, as fun as it would be for me, because I love things all, I love the kitchen to just be fun. Um, it would be really fun to have all three of them in there, but it would turn into chaos mm-hmm. and somebody might get hurt. And particularly when you're dealing with fire and knives, it's just not, it's not worth it. And so I have one kid help me at a time. And then, um, and then just a lot of supervision. Um, 
one of the so when you're starting to teach knife skills like with a four-year-old I would totally start with a better knife Mm -hmm. um and then the number I mean the number one most important thing when learning how to cut is not cutting your fingers off right (laughs) so that's something that I teach immediately is finger position so your fingers are pointing down your fingers are never pointing out and so there are multiple ways that you can cut with your I mean you can be straight down they can be curved a little bit but your fingers are always pointing down that is the most important thing and I let them know you will not be moving on to a bigger knife until you are consistently cutting with your fingers down and so they're motivated teacher Jenna I know (laughs) (laughs) so strict Mrs. Huff okay Uh um Okay. So as far as knife skills go, I think there's a lot of people out there who talk about using like these kids safe knives. And I kind of like, I have mixed feelings about that. I feel like you want to teach them the safety around it so that there's a consequence. Mm -hmm. And if you give them something that's not sharp, um, I mean, you're still starting them off on a butter knife, which is not sharp, but you can kind of give them the like, Hey, this is the thin part of the butter knife. Do not cut yourself with right. this. It is possible, by the way. Yes. <laughs> not probable. Yes. <laughs> so how, how do you feel about, you know, kind of those almost like handicapped tools that you can use for kids? Yeah. Well, so actually, I just found these new knives. They're from um, a company called Kai. Okay. K-A-I. And they um, they actually ha- they make kids knives. And the thing that I like about them, they make metal chef knives, but they don't have a pointed tip. They have a blunted tip so that like if... <laughs> If they fall, they're not going to impale themselves. That's good. Um, fantastic. And then also they're smaller. So the handle is thinner. The handle is shorter. And the blade is, I think it's like a four, it's still a four or five inch blade. Like that's it's still good a yeah. good size blade, but the handle is kid size. And that's huge because their sweet little hands can fit around it. And so. Which is safer because they're able to grip it correctly. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I teach cooking classes to kids too. And so. When I'm teaching cooking classes to kids, I will always start the younger ones off with a butter knife. Mm -hmm. I don't care even if they've been cooking with regular knives. I just, I want to watch what they do. I want to see it. So I love starting with a butter knife, but then also you, you can't cut everything with a butter knife. And sometimes it's more dangerous to cut with a knife that isn't actually going to cut through or something dull. Yes. So, um, I do think, I think it just, it depends on the kid. It depends on the environment. You know, if I have five kids and they're all pretty young, I'm not going to have them work with a real knife. Um, if I have five kids and they're all pre- pretty young, I'm, I'm comfortable watching them all with a butter knife. And then if some are ready to move on to the other ones, then then just moving on. So I also have a nylon knife um, hmm. and I'll use that as kind of the next step up. But I love the little the little kind knives. And you could certainly just start off with that if you're just working one on one with your kiddo. Um, I'm just typically not working one-on-one with the kids. So yeah, there's um, a little more liability involved. Yes. Yes. I want to send them. <laughs> you don't want to say, come pay for my cooking class and your kid will chop off their finger. Sounds right. great. Yes. Definitely don't want to do that. Oh my goodness. Okay, cool. And are the Kai knives, do they have like a standard blade? Like it's still a sharp knife, Yeah. but it's got, it just has a blunted edge and yes. a smaller handle. Okay. Yep. I, I like the idea of that. I think that's great. And we have loved them. That's great. Yeah. We also have, we have a butter knife that's very thin. Uh-huh. So that works a lot better to cut through things. And he has officially deemed it his knife, um, awesome. which is great. And it has a smaller handle too. And it's just like a antique butter knife. It's pretty cute. So anyways, I'd love to see him like be like, this is my knife and I use this to cut. So he's cutting a little bit, Yeah. but he's not, if I'm being real, he's just not that interested yet. <laughs> so yeah. we'll get there. 
And different kids are going to be more interested than others. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, one of the the more he see, well, he probably sees you cook all the time. So maybe all he's just one time. of those that isn't more isn't super interested in it. And that's OK. I mean, there's going to be a point in time where it's like, all right, bud, even if you're not super interested, this is a life skill you're that you need to learn. Or, yep. yeah, I mean, we're a family. You're contributing to the family and you got to chop some veggies. So we need to learn how to do this. Yeah, I think it's more so me just not facilitating, too, Yeah, because he's interested when I facilitate. But I have to, you know really stoke the fire and get him really excited about what we're about to do and yeah. he's also I mean our kid just kind of struggles with transitions mm-hmm. and so to move from like one thing to the next you kind of have to do a little bit of coaching yeah so I imagine this is not going to be any different with that so yeah yeah are there some other skills that you like to help the kids practice in the kitchen aside from knife skills or like you were talking about the game that you do with like the herbs and, or tasting different foods where you're like, okay, can you tell me what this is? Like identification, that sounds really fun. Yeah. I mean, measuring for yes, one. Absolutely. And that's kind of one of those fun, you know, we talked about baking kids, getting kids in the kitchen for baking is great. So learning how to read a recipe mm-hmm. once they can read. Um, and then there you can incorporate a little bit of math into that too, which is super fun. Well, for me, <laughs> but I, I, love I, I love math. Um, I love easy math. <laughs> Okay. (laughs) But um, I just think it's fun to like incorporate, like this is real life. Like this is, you're incorporating real life into cooking. Like everything is kind of interconnected. And so um, doing some, like teaching them how to measure, you know, when you scoop uh, salt out, you want to make sure it's even unless you want a heaping teaspoon. Mm -hmm. This is what a heaping teaspoon looks like. Otherwise, take the back of a knife or your finger. I don't really care. And just evenly like brush it off. So you have a nice teaspoon teaching them the differences between teaspoons and tablespoons and the different sizes. And, um, because my, my goal in life eventually until they're, well, my goal in life is to kind of put myself out of a job. Like I want them to be able to know how to make, absolutely how to meal plan, how to shop, how to cook a meal before they leave the house. I love that so much (laughs) because I, I mean, again, child of the eighties, like, and I think there's also a piece of it too, where, You know, so many mamas or just parents in general out there really love like being in service to their family in when it comes to, you know, cooking for the family. And um, I love doing that. I absolutely do love doing that. But I also am like, you need to learn how to take care of yourself because I'm not going to be taking care of you when you're 18. They do because we don't want them having to feel like I have no idea how to cook. So I need to order out all the time or I need to get how many of us didn't even know. I remember going to the grocery store for the first time after Josh and I had gotten married. And, you know, obviously I had gone to the grocery store plenty of times before that. But it was always like, oh, I'm going to go buy some yogurt to put it in my college fridge. And then I'm going to go to the cafeteria for my food or whatever. And, you know, we didn't have a kitchen in our freshman dorm. But when Josh and I got married, the first time we went to the grocery store, I remember just having no concept of how much things cost and how to navigate the grocery store and like, you know, how to walk it and fill your cart and do all those sorts of things. So I think it's really funny to think about, you know, my early days in nutrition counseling, I would do like grocery store tours Mm -hmm. and like teach people how to grocery shop now with their new lifestyle. And there's, you know, a lot of great tips within that, like, you know, go the border of the store and avoid the center aisles unless you specifically have something you need from that aisle. Um, You know, organize your grocery list in order of where you're going to be picking it up in the grocery store. Then you don't forget something 
thing and have to go all the way around or um or head down the cereal aisle if you don't are trying to not eat cereal or Mm -hmm. avoid it so it's there's lots there that i think you can work with but i just remember having no concept of how much things cost you know what I I thought I knew what was healthy. It was the kind of the same thing where you, that you said, where you start cooking on your own and you're like, okay, great. Like I'm cooking, I'm doing the things, but you're still having like low fat sour cream and so much grains and carbohydrates and processed foods and basically candy Mm -hmm. that's like masquerading as like fruit leather or whatever and things like that. And so it was quite a transition for me to, to figure that out on my own um, from a place of, of health. And it, it took me, you know, really kind of taking ownership of that whole journey to be able to be like, okay. And I would love to see my kid take ownership of that much earlier. Yeah. So. I think even things like, you know, what, what produce lasts long? Like what mm-hmm. produce, when you buy it, do you need to eat right away? That was like, oh my goodness, that took me years to figure out. <laughs> so many things were like wilting in the fridge yes. and turning to like that, like gross, like mush, yeah. like liquid, <laughs> like greens turning to liquid. It's the worst. Yes. It still happens every once I in know, a while. Me too. That's just life. Uh-huh. That's life. But, we have but yeah, yeah, prioritizing, you know, like yes. you can, your cruciferous vegetables can hang on for quite a long time. Right. Eat your kale first. Yep. Do that. Yeah. That's a really good point to teach that too. Yeah. So I love that idea of, of just kind of being intentional and taking that time of, of spending the effort now so that later you don't have to. Exactly. (laughs) That's just like a conversation about efficiency for me. Yes. And you know, I love independence. Yes. I'm all about that independence. (laughs) I love that so much. So, um, I know you have something special. For our listeners, um, yes. Jenna shares cooking tips with kids all the time or for like you to get kids involved in the kitchen. She's always on Instagram. I learned so much from you. Like I am a nutrition pre- professional and have been like a nutrition professional for longer than you. Mm-hmm. Um, but you've been a parent for a lot longer than me <laughs> and too many more children. And I just, I learned so much with how you get them engaged and excited and seeing you show that excitement is so inspiring to me. So I think a big part of this is not feeling like you need to do this whole thing alone and having that kind of consistent hand holding and support from someone who knows what they're doing and is passionate about sharing it. Mm-hmm. And that is you girl. So Jenna has an email list that you can join. And what are you going to give them if they join the email list? I will give you five easy and healthy recipes that you can cook with your kids. Ooh, I love yes. that. I think that's my hardest part is knowing what am I going to like, what do I start with as far as like a recipe goes? Um, so I'm sure there's going to be some pancake, a pancake situation in there. Oh yeah. You think? I'm, I'm all about the blender pancakes too. Oh, I need I just, to get a good blender. They're so easy. I actually haven't, now that I think about it, I haven't had my kids actually pour the, the pan. I should do that. Oh, I pour it into the pan. Pour it in, because our blender is huge. We have a Vitamix and I love yes, it. I want but like, so badly. Oh my goodness. Black Friday. Uh, <laughs> yes. Oh, I love it. It's the best. We had a, what was the other one? Blendtec before mm-hmm. that and yep. and I loved it too but, but Vitamix it, but is it better broke I mean we use our Vitamix two three times a day sometimes and okay you're hearing it first from Jenna Huff here yeah. <laughs> get your get your Vitamix I mean that's a question I honestly do have um and like and just to cap it off too I would love to know like what's some equipment that you like to have in the kitchen like practical stuff other than a knife you know, what kind of cutting boards do you like to use for them? I'm sure like cutting boards slipping around is a problem. How do we facilitate that? I think that's a safety thing for sure. Um, but other stuff that you like to have there for them, um, 
maybe of like different materials than you Mm -hmm. normally would have so that it's um, a more enjoyable experience for them. Well, my aunt has actually made them all um, aprons and little pot holders. It's so cute. So aprons for sure, because cooking is messy. I am like the apron queen. Um, I need to wear an apron more often because oh, I ruin my clothes all me the time. Too. Yes, all the time. <laughs> especially when you eat like I'm sure you guys can all resonate with this. But when you eat real food and you cook with real fat, yeah. everything you own just has fat stains all yep. over it. Grease stains. I'm just yep. like, why? And then and then you actually maybe you have some good ideas for this, but then you use natural um, <laughs> laundry detergent and you're yeah. not shouting things out. How do you get the Grease stains out. You guys, Puracy Stain Remover is like the best thing that I've found. I think you can get it at Target now. Okay. Um, And it works. I'm a fan. And it's a pretty good product as far as ingredients go. So I think it's EWG verified. So we like that. Puracy. Okay. Side note, we can't ever talk about just one thing here. I know. (laughs) Um, What else? Do you have them oh, in the kitchen? Um, you know what? They love little tools. And my husband is a total minimalist, and I am not. So this kills him <laughs> just a little bit. <laughs> but they, I know. I'm like, brace yourself, Cassie. Yeah. I am a minimalist, oh. too. <laughs> yes. Yes, you are. So they love like little basting brushes, and they love little... Like tiny things. Tiny things are yeah. so Spe- much fun. Special. Yes. Yeah. And I think that's a big part of it, too. Anytime you want to get your kid involved in something, like, how can we make this a really special experience? Yes. And I need to bring that back because in previous years you know we I went and bought like a a new like baking spatula and it came with a smaller one like Uh in a little set and he was like that's my spatula and he would use it because it was his and and it has since disappeared because I think it turned into like a toy that went in the dirt eventually because hashtag boy mom Uh but yeah I I love that idea so little little yeah you want to make it special you also don't want to stress yourself out right I mean because honestly like them you wanting them in the kitchen for most kids is going to be special enough, right? Mm. So, um, but some things that we use all the time, um, we use, I love, I love cast iron pans because you can cook on the stovetop and they can go straight into the oven. But they're so heavy. They are heavy. Elijah can do it. Um, The girls, the girls can't do that at this point. Um, But so the, um, we use bamboo um, cutting boards Mm -hmm. and then just the little, the little kids knives Trying to think of what else we have that the kids obviously the Vitamix, which we've already talked about. Yeah, and that's great because the blades away from them, they're pushing a button, which they love, or pouring things in yeah. and dumping things in, which is great. Yes, and so, oh, you know, and with, same goes with like a food processor. Yes, um, with the uh, also little bowls, it's okay. it's fun to be able to like pre measure out ingredients, pre measure out, or even have them measure it up, but then you have them all sitting there, and so. Like for the little ones that maybe aren't measuring yet or for the little ones that don't have a ton of attention span, mm-hmm. having everything already out and ready to go and they can kind of just dump things in and then mix things up and then they can move on with life. Yeah. Like just having that all ready to go. So I have tons of like little bowls, mm-hmm. little ramekins. Okay. This is a, I just had an idea. It's really interesting because my child, surprise, surprise, likes to control things. <laughs> <laughs> and... I think if I presented like some cute little bowls and we're like, these are your bowls, he would be like, I don't care about those bowls, but take them to the kitchen store and yes. have them pick it out yep. and then be like, we're going to use these to make stuff with it. He is there for that. Yeah. So I'm definitely going to go do that. I'll share more with you guys about how that goes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's the same thing when we think about like picky eaters, right? Like 
giving them a little bit of control. I think a lot of picky eating, unless you have like a physiological, psychological reason for why mm-hmm. you're not eating, so why a child is not eating something, um, a lot of it I think is exerting control. And little kids have such little control at, over their own lives as it is. Mm-hmm. Eating is one thing that we cannot force our kids to do, right? Like you cannot physically put the food in their mouths, make them chew it, and make them swallow. I wish yes, I could. totally. Because we, my kid needs to eat so much more food. Oh, what's he not? What's he struggling with? Oh, it's just it's he just wants to do something else. He just doesn't oh, care. Yeah. It's like it's literally like when are we going to be done with this meal so that we can go play? Like he even I think would prefer to go to bed than eat. Wow. And then later he's hungry again because he just didn't yeah. eat quite enough in a meal. And so obviously I'm constantly like, how can I add calories to whatever it is that you're eating? Right. Because I know I don't have your attention for very long. So there's a lot of sneaky, interesting, there's lots of sauces, which he doesn't always love, but we make it work, mm-hmm. you know, and things like that. So that's more so the struggle is just like attention span yes. and wanting to do other things. But yep. I think, I think some of, you know, some of the getting him involved would mitigate that because there's a little more interest in the end experience of right. eating what you cooked. And so that's part of it too, probably. Um, but let's touch on that before we wrap everything up, like picky eaters. I know this is a huge thing for everybody. And, you know, it's one thing to say, you know, you started your kid on real food from the very beginning and now, you know, you, you're just, you know, there's variety, a lot more variety maybe. I mean, my kid will eat like oysters and sardines mm-hmm. and liver and all sorts of stuff. And he doesn't eat those things crazy often, but he loves them. And, you know, his palate is relatively diverse because we started that so young and and just tried not to have an opinion about anything. That was a really big factor when he was little. I'll never forget my mother-in-law like making a face when he ate some sardines. And I was like, do not do that. (laughs) Love you, but don't do that. Um, But as far as picky eaters go, you know, how do we how do we kind of bust through that and get them more excited and and or how do we facilitate them having some control? Mm-hmm. Um, without kind of allowing them to just not eat that food. You know, right. I, I think I've seen you do this a, a couple of times with your kids. Yeah. Um. So, you know, you, you actually, I like what you said about with your mother-in-law, or was it your mother-in-law mm-hmm. making a face like, ah, don't do that. Because I think oftentimes as parents, like there was a, there was a, it was when I was going through the, the nutritional therapy program, I heard Dr. Ballantyne talk about mushrooms and how beneficial mushrooms are for your microbiome Absolutely. and how they actually feed a specific type of bacteria that if you're not eating mushrooms, you're not going to have that bacteria in your gut lining. And I'm like, what? Well, I want that bacteria. I don't even know what it is, but I want it because it's <laughs> beneficial. It's beneficial. Um, and so I was like, wait, I don't eat mushrooms. I actually like really don't like mushrooms. And so... Um, I was, I came home and I had a conversation with my kids and I'm like, oh no, we don't like mushrooms. And I'm like, hang on, you've never even had mushrooms. Like how do you, I mean, except for like maybe on a pizza randomly somewhere, like what do you, what do you mean you don't like mushrooms? And there's like, oh no, we don't like them. So I was like, okay, you know what? They're, they're listening to me and they're watching the look on my mm-hmm. face if someone's eating a mushroom way more than I realize. And so I think for us realizing that we make such a big impact, they are 
children are so smart and they oh my are gosh, constantly it's insane they are constantly and noticing. we project on them all the time yes those poor tiny humans yeah so I have actually ever since then I was like you know what we're gonna add mushrooms into our diet guys and so I have been experimenting with different mushrooms and like sometimes that just means I am chopping them up super finely and throwing them into a stir fry and pretending that they're not there <laughs> have you found one you like at all I like shiitake actually oh, the best yes um oh my gosh I like they're my favorite at this point I still oh you know what I did with them oh my goodness so coconut aminos um, oh yeah I'll no, saute them in butter Ooh. and then finish them with some coconut aminos I did or a little bit of do, light sauteing tamari and, yeah. yeah I did some light sauteing in olive oil and then finished them off with um coconut aminos and then they put them on top of a salad that was hands down my best the best way to That's, eat We mushrooms. literally make those mushrooms every single week. Oh my goodness. It was delicious. And I, half the time they don't even make it to whatever dish because I'm just eating I them. Know. But They're I love, so I love mushrooms. So but yeah. it's a really good. I mean, it's really funny to think about like how you facilitate yourself eating them. It's yes. like how you can facilitate them eating them. And that's, I mean, we sneak a lot of, um, you know, vegetables that, you know, maybe he doesn't really love uh, or it doesn't isn't willing to like experience like textures if it's in a large you know quantity or size in a dish but man if I chop something fine and throw it in a fried rice or a stir fry he's just he just eats it and I always tell my kids afterward too sometimes one of the kids will be there watching me chop and they're like oh I see what you're putting in there mom I won't say anything to the others and and because there are some things that I some of the kids just they don't like to eat my kids don't like to eat cauliflower rice some of them don't I don't uh-huh. know. Some do, some don't. But um, so like I usually do like a half and half or something. Um, but I'm like, Shh, don't say anything. And then I tell them afterward because I don't want to be too sneaky with it. I want to oh, be like, yeah, OK, yeah. so by the way, you just ate mushrooms and you like them. I'm just saying. <laughs> so but I also I, I want them to see me eating something that I don't love because I know that it's but I know that it's beneficial and I know that it's good for me. And then also I want them to experience well, or to watch me experiencing my palate. My palate is growing. Like I've gotten to the point now where I'm like, Meh, you know what? I kind of, I kind of like them. Um, I feel like the same thing with matcha. I did not like matcha the first couple times I drank it at all. And then the more I've had, it, I'm like, oh, and then actually, you asked for that as your beverage of choice today. I did. It's, I love you're it. Growing so much. I think it's also a lot of things. Is I mean, this is so true with food, drinks, whatever. Taste is how it's prepared. Because yeah. I mean, you can boil broccoli to no end and then put some butter on it with some salt and it is terrible right mushy. you know it's Icky. mushy yeah or you can steam it perfectly and have butter on it and it's delicious you or can roast it and roast it's like candy it. well <laughs> and with the hashtag among all of my friends is like hashtag burnt or don't bother because <laughs> we love some burnt broccoli yes um or like right before it's burned mm-hmm. yeah so I mean roasting trying some roasting all sorts of different kind of cooking techniques that you can use in order to be like okay we tried this food last time and it that preparation wasn't great so let's try a different you know maybe yep. you'll like it this way and then I have like my son everybody in the family loves roasted broccoli except mm-hmm. for my son he okay. doesn't but he likes raw broccoli so I am not going to be cooking two different meals I am not a short order chef and I'm not doing that like that's just a, a foot that I put down really early on in having kids um it's not worth it to me I don't want to spend the extra time and I want them to eat whatever we're eating so well and when you do that you're basically telling them that them being picky and refusing what you're making is okay right and I I think 
you know, just having them have a little bit of it or handing, you know, if you're making broccoli, give them the raw. Yes. And that's what I'll do. So if it's an easy change like that, I am happy to do that. It's, I mean, he's still getting the broccoli. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just in a slightly different form. And even sometimes like one of my kids doesn't like something mixed with something else. So I'll even just chop it up and like, you can have it on the side. That's fine. Everything else is going in here. The rest, I mean, as long as it's an easy switch, I don't feel like I'm, I'm not making them something totally different. They're still eating the food. It's just in a little bit of a different form. And we are all different. And I don't Mm -hmm. expect them to like food the exact same way that I do. And that's just one of those things where they can kind of have a little bit of control. Mm -hmm. Um, And and along those lines with picky eating, one thing I like to do too is like family style meals. And so they can, I make sure that we, we have the conversation of, macro we have like the macronutrient conversation when we have family meals because <laughs> I'm a nutrition nerd <laughs> and so like let's just make sure that we're getting a protein and a fat um, along with our carbohydrates and mm-hmm. so you want to make sure you're getting vegetables too you're not just getting a plate full of meat you're not just getting a plate full of vegetables you're not just getting a plate full of butter like we're having all all three of these things are you sure we cannot have a plate full of butter I mean it's delicious <laughs> Um, and so just encouraging them, making sure that there's enough, um, on the table Mm -hmm. that they can, they actually have a little bit of a choice is Mm -hmm. nice. Um, letting them serve themselves is also really helpful too. I never serve meals family style. I've totally gotten out of that habit just because you're using more like pans or serving dishes or things like that. As you can see, we do not have a dishwasher. Yeah. So that's a thing for us. But I will say I like that idea of having them serve themselves because then they're, that's another factor of control where they're making choices. They're making choices as to what they're eating and the quantity. And I think that's great. Right. And the same thing with lunches too, you know. So I want for when I make their lunches and those are, you'll, you've probably seen them all over my Instagram, but they they get a meat and a vegetable and a fruit and then some kind of like I love um, Simple Mills crackers Mm -hmm. Um, or like today they had little coconut flour wraps. And so but um, if they like one of my kids doesn't like goji berries, which I think is weird because I think they're delicious. But so she'll get she'll get a different kind of dried fruit instead of goji berries. Um, Another one doesn't like pears, so she'll get apples instead of pears. And um, but they're still getting the basics of they're getting a meat, they're getting a protein, they're getting um, the vegetable and the fruit. It's just sometimes it changes as to which one they're getting based on what they like. Mm-hmm. I think that's great. Yeah. And give them a lot of choices and then they'll be have more. It's, I think it's just anytime we make choices, period, as humans, we have more ownership over whatever it is that we're doing. Yes. So teach them teach them young I love that yeah well thank you for being on the podcast today yes thanks for having me I'm so excited for everyone to learn from you so tell everyone in the interwebs where to find you where's the best place to find you um I do a lot on Instagram Mm -hmm. um so Jenna Huff NTP is my Instagram and then um Jenna Huff uh, if you're on Facebook and then I also have a website jennahuff.com so basically it's just lots of Jenna Huff she's Jenna Huff everywhere and at Jenna Huff NTP on Instagram. Yes. Yeah. And I highly recommend if you plan on having children in the future, if you have them now, if you have nieces and nephews that you cook with, whatever it is, like get in there and go follow Jenna and um, you're going to be so inspired. I know I am all the time. So I'm excited to take some of these things and actually put them into action. And then we'll have to touch base later. And I'm sure I'll need some troubleshooting help with actually facilitating all of this. So baby steps. 
I hope you really enjoyed my conversation with Jenna Huff today. She is just a wealth of knowledge when it comes to getting kids into the kitchen with you and excited about cooking and eating really healthy foods. And so Jenna has provided a special resource just for our listeners, and it is five quick and easy recipes to cook with your kids. This is going to make it so doable for you to get those kids in the kitchen and excited. And I am just so stoked that she created this for you guys. So if you go to our show notes for the episode, you will see the link to grab her guide, five quick and easy recipes to cook with your kids, or you can go to bit.ly slash rebel 81, and you can find Jenna's guide there. Thanks for joining us today on this episode of Rebel Heart Radio. You can visit our website to submit a question at www.rebelheartradio.com. Or you can hop on our Instagram. You can ask us anything. We love to get to know you guys. Don't forget to subscribe and give us a review on iTunes. And we'll catch you guys on the next episode. Which that's not matcha doesn't make me cuss. <laughs> <laughs> what does make you cuss? Uh, alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> what kind? Oh that. gosh, I think any of it. Any I don't know it. that there's anything in particular. <laughs> You're adorable. Oh and then goodness. anger. Oh well, yeah, I don't want to be someone who makes Jenna Huff mad. I don't think you could. I think it's really <laughs> only like I cuss in my head. <laughs> like it doesn't come out. Oh, but it wants to. But like the, it happens in my head. That doesn't work for me because anything that happens in my head happens out loud. Takes it's math. not necessarily a good thing. It.